Good morning. So good to have you here. Numbers are down a little bit. We knew that was going to be the case. Several are away for a wedding and anniversary and so forth. And so, um, but we're glad you're here. Amen. Glad that you've come, and we're <clears throat> looking forward to this this revival uh, service and. Uh, looking forward to the meal afterwards, and we want you all to come if you're, if you're able to, and trusting uh, that the Lord will help us to have a good day. Let's stand. Let's invite the Lord to meet with us. Brother Bob, would you please pray for us? Amen. Please remain standing. Brother Dean's coming to lead us in the singing. Grab yourself a hymnal. Let's worship the Lord together. Page 357. 357. <clears throat>
seated, page 377, 377. <clears throat> Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mighty God is He, saving me, keeping me. 
Amen. Glad for that full salvation. Amen. Glad that I didn't have to get a partial, but I got the whole thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. As we go to the place of prayer, let's continue to remember our revival, trusting that the Lord's going to help, and, and let's continue to pray for the brewers that the Lord would touch and help them. Let's remember their granddaughter, Becky, as she's uh, needing to gain some weight, that the Lord would uh, help in that situation. Let's also remember the physical needs um, on our prayer list. Let's remember, uh, continue to remember Valora and Sister Joy. Remember uh, David Morris and his battle of cancer. Let's continue to remember Jimmy's mother, Jean Ferguson, Spencer Smith. Each of these are struggling uh, physically. Let's continue to remember Kara. Is, uh, she's recovering from um, her injury. Let's also remember Jim in prayer. The Lord will continue to help him. Also, we're praying for Amelia, that's Sister Vaughn's friend. Um, also, let's remember those that are traveling, those that are away today. Uh, I believe they're planning to be back either tonight or tomorrow, so let's, let's pray for them. The Lord would touch and help them. Let's remember our spiritual needs, those that we've been praying for. Uh, let's continue to remember Brent and Michael. Let's remember our community. Let's remember our nation. The Lord would touch and help uh, our leaders, give them wisdom, direction. Let's remember also uh, our missionaries. We want to remember especially the Petersons and the Shapers. Um, glad for the Shapers that getting a few weeks of rest, I believe, but I think they have one more uh, deputation service in Missouri, and I'm trying to remember the date of that. I'm thinking it might be next week, but let's, let's pray for them, uh, that the Lord would just uh, re-energize them, strengthen them. Um, let's uh, remember our college students that are away. Um, let's remember Cameron and Justin. The Lord would touch and help them. Um, Let's remember the school and the teachers. Let's, uh, let's pray for their appreciation dinner tomorrow. Let it uh, be a good success. And um, let's remember the unspoken requests. Let's remember the needs that, that different ones have on their hearts. I believe there's a couple of babies that we're praing for, Brother Vaughn. Would, uh, how, do you have a report on... All right, let's, let's remember the family as they're grieving the loss of the uh, little boy, but also let's continue to remember uh, Tyler Ann in prayer. The Lord would help her to continue to grow and do well. And also, Sister Julie, you, there, you have a... Wonderful. Praise the Lord. So thank the Lord for these good reports. Um, and uh, by, uh, this good report and... and uh, also, Tyler and grow, growing and doing well, but let's remember the family. It certainly has to be hard to to lose one of the, your babies like that. So let's hold them up. Other needs this morning. Hmm. 
I know there's many unspoken requests across the congregation. God knows and cares about each one of these. As many as that can, well, let's kneel before the Lord and let's lift up a good volume of prayer. Father, we worship you this morning. Thankful so much for your goodness to us. Thankful, Lord, that you saw us where we were. And that what a wonderful Savior you are. What a, oh, we're so thankful for the day that you set us free from, from our past and from our sins and from the choices we had made. Thankful, Lord, that you could set our feet on a rock and set us in a new direction. Thankful, Lord, that you're still in the business of changing lives. And, uh, Lord, we're just encouraged this morning as as uh, we uh, contemplate your goodness and your love and your mercy for us. Thankful, Lord, how you prepared a way for us and, and that you go before us and that you, have, uh, that you are helping us and working all things together, Lord, not just for our good, but so that we can make it home. Father, we think of the many needs that were mentioned this morning. We think of these precious children these, the, that, are, uh, are, that we've been praying for. Lord, we're certainly sorry for the little boy that didn't make it. And Lord, we know that you do all things well, and yet we are praying that you just surround the family with your love and your strength and your help in this time. And, and Lord, we pray for little Tyler Ann, Lord, that you would touch her and help her to continue to grow and help her to do well. Lord, you know also about uh, this other one that got to go home yesterday. We're thankful for that. And we're just praying, Lord, that you continue that to help her to, uh, to get better and to grow. And, and Lord, that she would live a life that would be pleasing to you. Lord, we pray for little Becky this morning. We're asking, oh God, that you would uh, help uh, her to continue to gain weight. And, and Father, that she would uh, continue to do well. We ask, uh, oh God, that you would uh, touch these uh, allergies that she has. And, and Father, that she would outgrow them and, and that they would not be a hindrance to her. We pray for her parents, oh God. We pray that you would just uh, give them wisdom and direction. Help them, Lord, as, the, to, as uh, they are, are relying on you in the midst of their ministry. Father, they feel your strength and your support. Father, we pray that you be with those that are, are suffering physically today. You know all about their needs. We continue to pray for Valora, asking well, that you'd meet her needs. And, and uh, Jean Ferguson and Sister Joy and so many that have cancer and struggling and fighting today. Father, we just pray that they would, that each one would know that you are close in the midst of their lives. We pray for Spencer Smith, who, Lord, uh, not only physically, but spiritually, he has need of you. And, and Father, we ask that you would speak to his heart and that you would help him to yield himself to you. Father, you know all about uh, those that are traveling today. We ask that you, or, and tomorrow, we just pray that your hand would be upon them and you'd keep them safe. And, and Father, help, help them to have a, a, a good time with their families. And, and Lord, that you would speak to their hearts. And Father, that they would know that, that you're with them wherever they may be. Father, we think of those that, that don't know you, that are unsaved loved ones, those uh, that we care for, our, those in our community that we're working with. And, and Father, you know the many barriers that the, that the enemy has set out to, to keep them away from the truth. And Father, we just ask that that the Holy Spirit would go where we cannot go, and that he would say what we cannot say. And Father, that you would help them to yield themselves to you. We pray for our evangelists today. We ask that you be with our revival. Pray that you be with the message, and Lord, be with the hearers, that we might hear the truth, and not only hear it, but that we would be doers also. Pray, Lord, that you would just anoint these uh, 
this service with your presence, that, Father, that we would be people that would follow after you. We think of our college students, be with Justin and Cameron, and Lord, you know their needs today, and we ask that you would be especially close to them. Oh, Father, we pray for our missionaries. We think of the Petersons and the Shapers this morning especially, but others uh, around the world that are, are doing their best to serve you. We ask that you would, well, Lord, give them fruit for their labors, give them great success, but Lord, in the midst of it all, we ask that you be uh, a, a friend and a guide to them, that, that they would not feel lonely or uh, uh, where they are, but Lord, that they would sense that there are people back home that are praying for them and, and are, are uh, in the battle with them spiritually. Oh, Father, we pray that you'd give many victories. Father, we believe, that we believe, oh God, that you are doing great and mighty things. We ask that you'd build our faith, help us to trust you more and more. And for what you do, we'll be careful to give you the praise. Okay, it's time to take up our morning expense offering. If the ushers will come forward, please. We'll be singing page 25, page 25. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for all of our, I don't know, our backups that have stepped up today. Uh, we've, our assistant Sunday school superintendent and a couple of, uh, of our uh, alternate teachers and alternate uh, uh, usher. And I mean, of course, three of those all, all were just uh, Brother Rummel. I mean, he just, he's just the alternate for everything. So... <laughs> I don't know if that what that means. I don't know if that means he's everyone's second choice or what. But <laughs> hopefully, still Julie's first choice. We'll hope for that. But anyhow, um, but thankful for everyone who stepped in today. I I know that we're missing many of our regulars, and um, but very thankful for those that are willing to step into those gaps. 
and goes so uh, much smooth, more smoothly when we all work together. By way of announcements, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the, these, are, uh, these are the ones that I want to point out. We want, uh, revival doesn't end today. Oftentimes we do Tuesdays through Sundays, but this is, this is a bit unusual. Um, doing a Friday through Tuesday, it worked uh, best for Brother Brewer's schedule, and, and it actually worked really well for our schedule as well, except for tomorrow, many will be away for the fall dinner, uh, or appreciation dinner, fall, not fall dinner, appreciation dinner, um, and so if you can be here, please do, all right? Um, there's going to be many of us away, and we don't want Brother Brewer to have to preach to empty pews, and so... And, that I, and one of the bad things is, is that I have to be away for that. And so um, Brother Alex is uh, going to be leading the service tomorrow. So you help him and encourage him if you would. Um, carry in dinner this afternoon. Um, and if you didn't bring anything to carry in, that's all right. You can still come. I, I think there's going to be plenty. I saw plenty of food coming in. And so I'm encouraged by that. And so we want you to come because I don't want to have to eat leftovers for the rest of the week. Um, thank you for everyone who helped with the lock-in, whether you gave money, whether you provided uh, food, um, if you were there, if you, uh, if you just prayed for us, whatever, whatever uh, your part it was in the lock-in, we're so very appreciative of that. We are planning prayer meeting for this week on Wednesday, so we... Um, so just want to give, uh, give you the heads up for that. We're not changing prayer meeting for this week. All right. At this time, we're going to turn the service over to the brewers. So appreciated the song and message yesterday. And trusting the Lord will continue to help them. I've been changed. 
so glad for a salvation that really does change us. Amen. Thank the Lord. I, I'm just so, so happy. So happy as I travel up and down the country trying to help people get to God. I'm so happy that I have a message, the gospel message, that really does change lives. Because here's the way I view it. <clears throat> when people <clears throat> are, are in the place in their lives where they're sick and tired of the world and sick and tired of what they're contending with, they're, they're needing to hear something that's, that's good news. They're needing to hear something that's, that's a message of deliverance and change because they're, they're tired of what they've got. Amen, and I'm so glad that I'm able to come and preach a glorious gospel that can change lives. I'm so glad that he changed my life. Praise the Lord. He knows his great grace. He changes lives. Amen. Well, it's certainly a delight to see each everyone here to, this morning. Beautiful Lord's Day. Wonderful Sunday school lesson. Appreciate the good lesson this morning and the, the truths that were brought out there and we're glad that you're here amen 
Thank the Lord. For the message, I'd like for you to look at a few passages of Scripture. First found in the book of Exodus, chapter 32. In Exodus 32, we're, we're reading one verse of Scripture. <clears throat> verse 19. <clears throat> and it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. Then I'd like for us to slip over to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. We're reading a single verse there, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. We're focusing on the phrase, This is my body, which is broken for you. Then slip back to the book of Psalms. Verse chapter 51. In the great prayer that David prayed, his prayer of repentance as he made his way back to God. Psalm 51, this time verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Our Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you for the word. Thank you for the great plan. Thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for this Sunday morning worship service. And we've truly sensed thy spirit and worshiped in our hearts as, as we have felt you near. Now, Lord, the word of God, the preaching of thy word has come to the place where it's going to take our attention. The focus of our thoughts is going to be gathered around the ministry of the preached word of God. I pray, Lord, that you'll come upon this vessel one more time, unworthy as it is. I pray, blessed Holy Ghost, that you would anoint us. May we speak with power from on high this morning as we utter the wonderful message of salvation. We pray that thou wilt help now, not only the minister of the hour, 
But I'd ask you, dear Lord, to work on the other side of the altar, work amongst the pews this morning. You know how to take this truth. You know how to take it to hearts and minds and souls. We pray, Lord, that not only anoint the preaching of thy word, but anoint the ears of the hearers. May the heart and the mind be so illuminated with truth and visit us with the spirit of conviction that if there should be anybody who has a spiritual hunger or a spiritual need, that they could have that need met. We'll glorify thee in all that thou dost accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. These passages of Scripture, although very distinct and very different, each of those carry a very different subject. But embedded in all three of those verses, are going to, we're going to soon discover, is a common linkage, a common thread. The first one that we read in our hearing, the text found in Exodus chapter 32, comes to us in the midst of the story of after God, after God had given the laws of God, the Ten Commandments, as I have written, spoken already about, uh, on the, the tables of stone and wrote them out with his very own finger. Moses coming down now from the mount. What had transpired while Moses was having that glorious, literally a glorious experience with God on high. While they, God and, and Moses were having conference together, if you please, a one-on-one relationship in a powerful way. While that was being experienced at the foot of the mountain, down below, the children of Israel were actually in the midst of already breaking the commandments that had just been written by the finger of God. There, there had been allowed to worship an idol, set up this calf, and attributed to that calf the, the properties of, of, of having, being the one that, that brought them out of the land of Egypt even. Idolatry and not merely just in bowing down to an idol, but idolatry in theology, in, 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 in false doctrine, and identifying the work of God to this, this idol. And so the children of Israel were, were gathered around, in their haste and in their lack of patience and their lack of faith, they gathered around and were paying worship and bowing down to this, this, this awful image. Moses coming down now out of that glorious experience on the mountaintop with the tables of stone in his hands comes down and sees firsthand what's going on. Been going on now behind his back, so to speak. And now he comes in upon the midst of it. He was going to call them to true worship. With the Ten Commandments, he was going to call them and, and invite those children of Israel to real worship in a greater way, in a more explicit way than God had ever revealed up to this point in time. He was going to establish God as the only one God. God being a spirit and should never, never, never be represented by any kind of an idol and never, never worshipped and uh, mis, uh, idol worship should never replace 
never, never be uh, practiced in, in, in place of, of worshiping Almighty God. Reverence and respect for God's name and, and the Lord's day or the Sabbath, if we would call it in the Old Testament. And then he was going to call them to an ethic. He was going to call them to an outgrowth of true worship. He was going to call them to the application. You see, whenever we have met God and we're worshiping Him, it's going to change our lifestyle. And so He was going to call them to an ethic. And so there He was going to establish also in the building of the tabernacle and the establishment of some of the early revelations of, of, the, of, of the offerings. He was going to establish for them a more full way of the worship of the true God. Instead, before he gets down to the, from, the, from that mountaintop experience and before he's able to utter his first words of invitation to such a relationship with Almighty God, he finds that they have already turned from that God. And they're falling down and worshiping this golden calf. Now, if there's ever a scripture that, that, that portrays what we understand as righteous indignation, this passage of scripture does. For you see, really quite frankly, dear friends, Moses did not have a carnal fit. No, he didn't have a carnal fit. He wasn't mad in the sense of of being um, uh, mad carnally, as you and I would understand that. Thank God for a salvation and a, and a work of grace that can, can deliver us from the old temper tantrums. I was raised hearing the old timers that have influenced my own life, how God saved them and changed them and made them new creatures. And the old temper that they used to have is no longer there. Madness at people and madness at things. And the thing that will cause you to take a brand spanking new car because things don't work right and well while you're changing its tire. You get so mad you start beating that brand spanking new car, tire with your, uh, car with your tire tool. Thank God for deliverance from that. Thank God for a deliverance from that old car. Moses did not have. Moses did not have a carnal fit like that. This was righteous indignation that Moses was experiencing. He just came from the power and the presence and the glory and the holiness of Almighty God. The goodness of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God, all of his, his beauties... Moses was be able to behold. He was able to see. I'm telling you something. God is good. And the closer you get to him, the better he, 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 he will seem to you because you're able to see his goodness better and better. He's beautiful. And Moses was coming from that goodness of God and then seeing that his very own people that which he had been called to be a leader of, had betrayed that very God to an inferior, weak, unable, 
inanimate idol that cannot hear and cannot answer, an idol that cannot love, an idol that cannot receive nor give back to us anything. This was such a, such a departure from God's plan. I mean, such a, such a black and white issue that he was angry, like you and I should be angry at the black and white issues that's going on today. The awful murder, the awful murder, murder of, of, of conceived and yet unborn babies should stir up something within us of an anger, dear friends. And when you and I see injustices in society, when we see society pouncing on one another like, like the animal kingdom would be brutal one to the other, it should do something for us in the sense of rising up at the senses of injustice. It should cause us to have a righteous indignation. And in such injustices, when it seems as though money, money, money speaks louder than words and money is filtered so that those that are caught red-handed in crimes seemingly are just overlooked and completely undealt with. And yet precious families that are sincere sometimes come under the awful investigations that they should never be experienced in their life. What injustices that should stir something up within us. Righteous indignation. The scripture says that we can be angry and sin not. And certainly talking about this righteous indignation. That's what Moses was experiencing. He was, yes, angry. The Bible says he was. I read the word. But it was a righteous indignation over the awful, awful sense of, of, of idolatry that he saw. He wasn't mad or insane or uncontrollable or out of control and just having a carnal spell there at the foot of the mountain. That is not what caused him to break the tables of stone. The tables of stone were not the result of being so mad he couldn't handle it he just took those stones like a mad man and threw them down. That's not what Moses did. For you see, the first two commandments that were so, so finger-pinned on those stones had been grievously disobeyed. Those first two having no other God besides God himself, and making idols, that's what I mean, those first two had been broken first off, right off the bat. And so to symbolize the broken law, Moses cast those stones down, and those tables of stone broke. And symbolized before the children of Israel, you have broken God's law by your idolatry. You're worshiping this golden calf. You're not worshiping God who actually did bring you out of Egypt. And you're now bowing to this inanimate, fleshly object called an idol, a calf. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth, in other words. The spirit of that was there. And so he, he say, you have taken God's law that he has just given to us, and just like in the Garden of Eden, you have broken God's desire and design. And thus now look at the tables of stone. See how they're broken. You have broken that relationship with God. So my first point in this message would be broken stones. Broken stones. The tables of law written on stones that had been carved out. This giving of the law was so important. Moses was to come up with more tables of stone back to the mountaintop again and God rewrote them. You see, we're talking about stones. Stones, and I mentioned it last night, the permanency of it. But then yet how temporary. That's the significance of the broken stones. Dear friend, similar to what I was preaching last night, you and I can relate to the broken stones that are strewn through our own life. Those things that we have done wrong. I'm not talking about accidents. I'm not talking about unintentional things. But I'm talking about those things that we did before we were saved. There were outright willful choices to do what was wrong. I'm talking about violation of God's will. That we knew. I'm talking about choosing when there was better things to do and good things to do, but rather we chose the lower and the base and the wrong. When we could have given love and when we could have given the other cheek, we gave the fist. Or we gave the slander, or we gave the cursed tongue. When we could have blessed the occasion, we cursed it with wrong behavior. You know what they are? They're broken stones. It's those occasions in, in our life that we have broken God's law. And before salvation, we have our life strewn full of those stones that we have broken. The laws of God that we have broken. Our life is a rocky road of broken stones. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our lives is full of those things that we have done that have broken God's will, broken stones, broken lives. But friend, when a person lives a life of sin, when a person lives a life independent from God, when a person lives a life that is contrary to God's will and God's law. 
they end up being beat up on the rocks of their own life. The consequences of their own wrong decisions come around not just merely to haunt them, but to really hurt them. The consequences of breaking the stones of God's law in their life is an awful, awful hard thing to bash our heads and hearts against as life continues on. And our hearts now become broken. Our lives become broken. And we have an awful story to tell. I remember, and I can't tell the whole story, but I remember while I was pastoring in Hagerstown, Maryland, there was a rescue mission in that town Outside of town, though, I don't know, five, six miles, at least four. I think it was more like five or six. They had, <clears throat> they had a, they called it the, the Good Samaritan Lodge. It was just a dormitory out there, a facility, where those that went on to their program uh, would live. <clears throat> and I was able to, to go and have morning devotions with them before they started their regime of daily activities sometimes even the afternoon or the evening devotions. The trade-off was is then they would allow us to take our van, our church van, out to that facility, and as many as those men wanted to come to our church, they could attend. And so every, every, every service, all any three of them, Wednesday and both on Sunday, we was able to have men three to six or seven, maybe ten, every time we preached we had at least that many coming from the Good Samaritan Lodge. <clears throat> I went to have devotions with the men one early morning. There was a newer man there. I don't know if, I, if it was the very first time, whether he had just started the program the day before, I'm not sure, but he was a newer individual that had been put on the program. We were having devotions that morning, <clears throat> You could tell he was restless, he was disturbed. You could tell he was a troubled man. The man was gray-headed. I don't know exactly how old he was. I was really young then, 26, 27 maybe, I don't know. But anyhow, he <clears throat> came to me after the devotions. He said, Reverend... I got to talk to you. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Do you understand, preacher? I'm hurting. I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I'll be happy to talk to you. As soon as the other men kind of clear out and finish shaking hands with me, I said, We'll slip over into a prayer room. I need to talk to you, preacher. I'm hurting. Do you understand? I said, I'm sorry. I understand. The other men cleared out for their daily regime. He and I slipped into the room aside, off to the sides of the little prayer room, and in there we went for some privacy. And there again, in almost a guttural way, he reminded me how hurting he was. He said, first, Reverend, i got to tell you something. He says, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'm talking about a man who had just been picked up on skid row. I'm talking about a man who had just reached the bottom and had been downtown where the rescue mission was for their overnight facilities 
And he had reached clear bottom so that he finally decided to go into the rescue mission and then was willing to go on to their program. This man began to unfold his story. I have the time to tell you his story this morning, except to give you a gist of it. And I'll tell you why I'm telling you this is because every few sentences as he would tell me more about his life, he would go into that pain wrenching. I can see it tonight. I can see it this morning. I can see it in my eyes. That awful facial uh, wretched look. I'm hurting, preacher. Do you understand? Just to shorten it real well, he had been. He had been the divisional chair of a certain department at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Had risen to the top of his division where he was the educational chair of that particular division at the university. He had teachers and professors under him. He was designing programs within that field of study. He had had the nice home on Prof Street, if you understand, and a fine family. To skip the details, many of them, and he unfolded them to me. Sometimes in my preaching, I tell the whole story. I don't have time to this morning. But my friends, sin, sin, sin took the American dream that that dear man had finally accomplished. And took him all the way to gutter in Hagerstown, Maryland. And then he would look at me and say, I'm hurting, preacher. Do you understand? I came away after talking to that man. He came to my church often. I had many times where I prayed for him. The point I bring out is this, my friends, I'm telling you something. Sin is no respecter of persons. We know God is no respecter of persons, but sin neither is a respecter of persons. And my dear precious soul, I tell you, sin is a broken life. And the rocks that we beat up against break us in two. When we break the laws of God, then sin is, a no, is no respecter of persons. So that the consequences of that is rocky and rough and hurting. As my former Ph.D. told me, broken stones. As we move from this scene, we would then move to the New Testament where Jesus was making reference to what he did on the cross. And the cross experience of having, having the cat of nine tails be lapped upon his back, lacerating his skin. The crown of thorns being crammed down upon his head, piercing blood vessels in his skull. The spears, the 
Yes, the three rusty nails, as the song would call them. Being pierced through the hand or the wrist area. I'm talking about his body. I'm telling you, dear friends, Jesus was human and fully human, but he had a perfect body. It was conceived of by the Holy Ghost. He was human, yes, indeed, but he had a perfect body. He had a beautiful body. But there, dear friends, now sin, and not his own, but yours and mine, is breaking his body. Sin is breaking the body of Jesus. And his blood is being shed. And in the Corinthian passage of Scripture, he says, identify with my brokenness. This is my body that's been broken. The point that he was making, dear friends, that I want to lift out is this. You see, the broken body of Jesus was because of the broken stones in your life. That life of broken stones throughout your life and in mine is what brought Jesus to the cross for his body to be broken. Man of perfect health. A man of perfect strength. Taken at the apex of physical strength in the life of a human being. 33 years old. That's the point of Optimum strength and health. And within hours, count them up, minutes, gasping for breath, bleeding, broken. And finally, in his last moments of inhaling and exhaling, said, Father, I commend my spirit into thy hands. He gave up the ghost, the scripture says, significant words, and died. But the brokenness didn't stop there. The brokenness of the body of Jesus didn't stop there, although it broke his life and broke his health to the dying point. Just moments later, Later on in the day, as their custom was, as their custom was, they broke the malefactor's legs on both sides of him to confirm their death before they buried them. But it was obvious. Jesus perhaps had beat the other two to the dying point. You know why? Because he gave his life. And they knew for sure that he was dead already. And so they didn't break his bones because the Bible said not one of his bones would be broken. And not even realizing it, they were fulfilling scripture by not breaking his bones. But once again with a spear, they took that sharp spear and entered it right above, right below his, his rib, 
and broke his body one more time as they stabbed it and stabbed it and stabbed it and pushed it up to his already swollen heart, no doubt. And once as the sharp edges of that spear pierced into his heart, his heart was broken. And the Bible clearly says that blood and water came out of his heart. He died. They say, those who have studied it will say that in the midst of a heart attack, there is the gathering of water. And there would be somewhat, those who have studied it, there would be somewhat evidence that actually what took the life of Jesus was a heart attack from a medical standpoint. I'm talking about a broken heart. It was atoning. It was atoning. It's meritorious for you and I. It's, it's, it's provisional for you and I. It's, it's the key. It's the very thing that makes it possible for me to be saved, for you to be saved. This death is no ordinary death. Christ did not die like an ordinary human being. And he did not die like an ordinary animal. And he did not die like the animals of all the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. His death was distinct. His death was was outstanding. His death was unique in that his blood is that which avails for the sins of the whole world. No other's blood avails for their own, let alone other people. But God, Son, Jesus Christ, allowing His body to be broken and His heart to be broken. I say, dear friend, it is meritorious. It is, it is redemptive. There's something about His broken body. He says, I don't want you ever forgetting it. Don't you ever forget his brokenness. And so this morning, we realize the connection. We realize the connection. The connection is that our broken lives needed a broken Savior. And Christ came and fulfilled that brokenness and become the one to be able to forgive us of all of our broken stones. All the broken stones of our life that we have beat up against and beat up against and broken and broken again and broken again. Now, dear friend, because of a broken Savior who atoned for us, you and I can be forgiven. We can take our sins and confess them. We can take our sins, our broken stones in life, and not merely just admit to them, but repent of them and say, Lord, I'm sorry and I'm sick and tired of it. I have faltered and I have failed and I have repeated and repeated and repeated this. I want a different life. I want a different way. 
I need something better than this. And what does Jesus answer? My broken body has something better than that. For I was broken for your broken stones in life. I shed my blood and my body was broken. And that leads us to the third point in this message. And the third scripture that we read in Psalm 51. That tells us. What does it say? It tells us that when you and I come to Jesus. When we come to him. With a broken and contrite spirit, he will not despise. What that means is there's a coupling, there's a connection between our being broken and contrite or repenting or confessing. When you and I come with that spirit of contrition, our spirit of confessing to God. Here's my life. Strewn full with broken stones. Broken laws. Please forgive me. So we come with contrition. It's godly sorrow that worketh repentance. Thank God for that brokenness. Of heart and spirit. I mean... What a contrast between the one who prayed and basically prayed and bragged on himself and criticized and run down the other one that was praying and said, I'm glad I'm not like him. And the other one down there almost trying to get hidden away, trying to hide back behind everything because he is so, so hidden and so, so broken and so embarrassed and so bothered. Try back off to the side here, hiding away and said, oh, Father, forgive me. And Jesus said, I'll tell you, that man went home redeemed. You see, a big difference in coming to God, bragging on yourself. You don't get anywhere. But if you really want to be saved, if you really want to be forgiven, if you really want to feel and experience what the broken body of Jesus has provided, we must come to him in a brokenness. I'm not saying that it's an emotional thing necessarily. Everybody's different emotionally. But in our heart and our spirit, we're broken to the point that we're really sorry. That we really, really don't want to do it again. And we wish we'd never done it. And we don't want to go back to it. We're broken. We're broken on the inside. We're moved to the point where we're trusting in Jesus Christ. Broken. Stones. Can you relate to them? Can you point them out? Can you, can you figure them out? Can you? Oh yes, yes. I remember that. I remember that night. Oh yes, I do. I remember that day. Oh yes, I do. Broken. I broke God's will. Broke God's law. Have they been forgiven? I'm gonna tell you something. 
Christ became broken so that you can be forgiven. And so this morning, as we stand together, if you would come to Jesus right to this altar and with a broken and contrite spirit, just confess to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. I'm simply sorry. I'm confessing. I'm repenting. My heart is, is broken with my broken stones. That's all I have to offer God is my broken life. Let Jesus, let Jesus put your life back together again. Let Jesus put your life back together again by saving you and forgiving you and letting Him come in and give you life and purpose and meaning. The piano is being played and the altar's open and I'm giving to you as, as personal as I know how to make it an opportunity to just slip down out of your seat and come on down bow before Jesus and with a broken and contrite spirit he will receive you he won't despise who is it that needs to feel like, who feels the need of confessing your sins and turn your life over to Jesus this Sunday morning to play it through just one more time. <clears throat> this will be the last verse. <clears throat> Whether anybody comes or not, this will be the last verse. Is God talking to your heart this morning? Has it entered your mind? Have you thought? Have you asked yourself, should, should I go this morning? Let me answer that. Oh, yes. Yes, now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the time. Have you thought about it? Have you thought, what would happen if I'd go and pray today? I'll tell you what would happen. If you would confess to God and repent to God, I'm telling you, He'd save you before you go home because He's faithful and just to forgive if we confess our sins. Anybody feel the need of slipping out of your, altar, out of your pew and coming down and bowing before Jesus? with your broken rocks and broken stones of life and now with a broken and contrite spirit asking God to forgive you. Thank you so much for coming this morning. I hope you come back tonight. We'd love to have you back. Bring someone with you this time. Bring some more in. Thank you again. You've listened so well. You've been a great crowd to preach to. Father in heaven, we pray that thou wilt take this little message, especially, Lord, you know where the needs are. Preach it over and over and over again in the halls of memory and conscience. And may souls be convicted and drawn to thee. Give each one a wonderful day and blessed of the Lord as we move on to the other activities of the, of the afternoon. May we all as a family have a great time 
We'll give you the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen.